and welcome to Movie Mastery. Hey, we've got Jeff here. Say hello. Hi there. And I'm John. This week we are reviewing Zardoz. Oh, I wonder if the gun is good. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, the gun must be good, right? It must be, if Zardoz told me. Yeah, Zardoz said so. And Zardoz is a, a big statue or something. Yeah, so we watched the trailer for Zardoz, and that was that was something. It was four minutes of something, by the way. It was a long trailer. It is a long trailer with narration that is all done in text. Yeah, there's a lot of text crossing the screen one word at a time. In between flash things, so it's like, It. Scene. Was. Scene. The. Scene. You're like, oh, come on. Yeah, and it's all to get across messages that literally it takes so long for them to say with these text flashes that by the end you forget what the start of the sentence was. Yeah, you're like, wait a minute, the end of this was just of death. I don't even know what they were talking about. Or the one where it's just work with a period. <laughs> work. Oh, okay, I don't oh. want to. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna apparently fucking uh, RuPaul just showed up. <laughs> work it. Work. The uh, I think the actual text there was, I have seen the future, and it doesn't work. Yeah. But it's one word at a time, and often... It's not just the word flashing on screen, but it's it's zipping from left to right across the screen, or it's sitting there while a fisheye lens pans over it from left to right across the screen. Yeah, it's terrible. It's- so, uh, so the expectations for this from watching the trailer, uh, I I'm guessing it's it's a bunch of those post apocalyptic tropes that you see from those old movies. So you've got. Society of Magic Ladies. Yeah, you're going to see an underground society of magic women with makeup on. Lots uh, of makeup. I get the feeling we're going to get a bit of a, uh, sort of the whole, uh, time machine thing with like the Morlocks and whatnot. Because oh, yeah. you've got a society that's all like super peaceful and nice and lives forever. And then where Sean Connery comes from, which is just a weird, crazy sex gun cult. Yeah, and uh, there's other movies that are just like this. Like, A Boy and His Dog is another one of these exact movies where people are like, oh, we're crazy mutants on the surface, and we we sleep in abandoned movie theaters, and underground there's scientists who dress like wizards. Yeah, I I have to imagine we're going to get some of that. Probably, I feel like we're going to get some Planet of the Apes, like, come across some monument or something. Could be. I I don't know if there's going to be any reference to it being Earth or not, but here's here's my big prediction. 70s boobs. I think we're going to see a few 70s boobs, and in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this movie is going to have some of that gross, justified rape that you get in movies like this. I was about to mention, there is a scene in here where it kind of looks a little bit like Sean Connery got a little rapey. Yeah, so, and and I know he's still going to be the hero in this thing, so I think it's going to have some of that gross attempt at justification rape that's... You have to oh, master yeah. her so that she, so, so that society may go on or something. And, and then it'll be like a she falls in love with him and oh, it didn't matter that you raped me because ah, uh, you fucked me till I loved you. Yeah. So okay, secret underground wizard society, uh, post-apocalyptic re- remnants of of uh, Earth, seventies uh, boobs, and justified rape. Yeah, I think that just about covers it. Uh, do you think it's going to be long and boring? Oh, it's from the 70s. It has to be boring. That's it, Every movie from the 70s was long and boring outside of, like, four outliers. I know. There's, like, four good movies. And you can tell the good ones because they don't have off, uh, opportunities for them to be set in a sheriff's office at any point. <laughs> like, for example, Star Wars, 77. Great movie because they never have time to go to a sheriff's office and sit around in an orange wood-paneled room while a sheriff makes phone calls. Yeah, no, there is no point where anyone can go, Hey, do you know what's going on? 
Let's go to a room and talk about it. And then also we'll make a phone call to a different room and talk to a scientist in there, and then I'll hang up on the scientist and tell you what the scientist said. Then we'll go for a drive. Yeah, let's let's show this car in the entire drive. Yeah, that's most 70s movies, and you can tell the ones that are good because they move further and further away from those things. Jaws? Yeah. Great film. Has some stuff set in a sheriff's office, but it's mostly on boats. Star Wars? No sheriff's office. I think really what it is is ships. If you've got oh, Jaws yeah, ships instead or of, uh, of cars. Star Wars, it's all ships. Yeah. Although I like Godfather, too, so... Oh, so, Godfather's terrible. Uh, you don't like Godfather, I do. It's another one of our classic disagreements. What? Well, welcome to me having no movie cred. I think The Godfather is garbage, as well as 2001. I agree with you on 2001. It is pretentious crap, and I don't like anything by that guy. <laughs> uh, well... I don't like The Shining. I'll go out on a really? record. Yeah, the, Shining, oh, okay. That's... the Shining drives me insane. It looks like it stars Jack Nicholson in a skinned mouse. The, <laughs> the, the, the Shining itself does nothing in the movie because they cut that so that they could have more shots of Jack Nicholson looking tortured. Literally, The Shining doesn't do anything in that movie but summon a black guy to die. That's, Which oh. really, I mean, come on, that's kind of a great power. I, I guess, <laughs> but it, it's it's all set up. Like, that movie's still called The Shining, and not Guy Goes Crazy Through Isolation and Has an Axe. It's it's so, I, I hate it, and I hate any time they've tried to remake it as well. It's just, I don't even think it, maybe it's a good book, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, usually that's how it goes, is Stephen King made stuff is generally terrible, and then you read the book, and you go, oh, okay, I get what you were trying to go for, but... Yeah, and then he doesn't write an ending that makes any sense. That's a thing with him, right? He yeah, he's no. bit... I mean, at least up until the 80s, he was so coked out of his mind that the endings to his book was always like, eh, fucking, a thing shows up, and it's like, oh, oh, and then everyone died or lived happily ever after, or both. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, Zardoz. Moving right along. We're not going to play the trailer for this one, because, again, it's four minutes long, and mostly just text flashing across the screen. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of, Bleep. Yeah, so instead, let's just quote a few things from it as we fade to the music. The gun is good. Zardoz! Zardoz! Welcome back. Yeah. E- yeah. That, uh, that, that was a 70s movie. That was definitely a 70s movie. We are, we are definitely correct in our assumption that what we would be watching is a movie from the 70s. If you want a high quality of podcast return on investment after recommending a movie to us, this is what you get if you suggest that we watch something from the early 70s. We are defeated. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sad and broken on the inside. I'm tired, <laughs> kind of hungry. Yeah, not, a little, not, little sore. I kind of have heartburn, but I haven't eaten. <laughs> okay, so Zardoz. All right, so Zardoz is a John Borman written and directed and produced by type of thing. Yeah, this is this is his. Horrible stone-faced baby. Uh-huh. It stars Sean Connery. It certainly does. And have Sean Connery as technically the main character? He is Zed. And he, he, is, he is of Zardoz. And Zardoz is a, a a floating stone head that barfs guns. And it is it is the god to his people. 
It is the god to his people, and his people are the brutal. We thought brutals, brutals, but because it was only coming out of a stone head with bad foley work, it sounded like it was the brutux or the bruckets or the yeah. Because he'd be like, well, we'll start with the very, very beginning. At the very beginning of the film, a wizard with a drawn-on mustache and. (laughs) Yeah. A, a beard that, for all the world, looks like a vagina has been drawn. Yeah, on he his had chin. a vagina goatee. Yeah, he had a vagina for a goatee. I mean, it had a clitoris on it. Yeah, no, it was straight up just. It looked like he fell asleep and someone drew a vagina on his face. As yeah, well. no, it it definitely looks like he got drunk at a party, passed out, and someone drew on his face. Yeah, yeah, they gave him a fake mustache, and then they were like, "Oh, let's draw a dick on him," and they were like, "No, that's sexist, Reginald. <laughs> let's let's draw a vagina on him." For the ladies. Come on. Equality. Let's try to get some Yonic imagery in there. That's right. And so he kind of... You can see where he cuts off real dramatically. So sometimes he'll like bob his head and his chin will disappear into the blackness from which... It, it, his his image is spiraling around on screen. Yeah. And he gets slowly closer while he... You think he's going to narrate what this movie is about, but it's mostly just dumb bullshit whimsy crap. Yeah, he kind of starts a... Oh, you're welcome to my tale, and and I am everything, but I am nothing. I have challenged death, and yet death cannot challenge me. I have died, and yet live. Will you find this tale amusing? It's ironic and whimsical and uh, sarcastic, I suppose. And all that sort of thing for a while. I'd say a good three or four minutes of that. Yeah. So, a floating head spouts nonsense. And then we get to a different floating head. The stone floating head that you would recognize if you've seen the trailer for the movie, which is a big, big stone head. Stone head. And it's, it floats around through the sky. And, and it is, it is the, uh, establishing shot of a car driving through the country that you normally get in 70s movies, except now it's a floating head. That's right. So a lot of shots of this thing slowly floating around, leading finally to a zoom into its mouth, which goes nowhere. That's just where the film starts. Then you see a bunch of people riding around on horseback, and they are all wearing red speedos and bandoliers. Some of them have that big stone head as a mask. And if they have the mask, then it's front and back with the face. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then they're all riding around on horseback, and the stone head floats down, and they're all excited. And they kind of do a, you know, hoisting their guns and so on. And it tells them that the gun is good, it barfs guns at them, and then we get the real twist that you didn't get from, from the, the preview, the preview where which is a, that the penis is bad. Yeah, the gun is good because it shoots death, but the penis is bad because it shoots life and creates more life, and the goal of the gun is to end life on Earth, and these the guys... The penis are, creates life and we don't like life, and their whole job is their... Uh, executioners for Zardoz, yeah, and they, they just go around murdering people. And you get a couple shots of that, of them riding up and down beaches and murdering like folks all running around, and you don't get a sense of where these folks are coming from or where they're going. They're just sort of people running around in regular dress clothes. We also don't really get a sense of, are they like traveling around all over the place, like going from place to place, like there are villages and they just exterminate that? Or do they find some people and go like, Alright, there are a hundred people living in this town. We've killed twenty of them. Good enough. Yeah, the, none of that. Just, they kill people. And then, a, like, a you floating... get the sense that it's supposed to be a culling of, like, there are too many people and we should kill them, but it's never really explained of, we should kill all of them, 
or just we should have them like like this is deer season like we have to get the population down i get the impression that their job was literally to exterminate humanity like they're supposed to be out there trying to clear all of humanity because they said something about how humanity is or the stone head rather said something about how humanity is terrible and broken and needs to be wiped away and then anyway at that point the head flies off and then we pan to a shot of inside the head and then Sean Connery's there, and we don't know how he got there, or what's going on. Oh, and it is, he, he does shoot the screen with a gun. Oh, yes. To that open... is that is our transitioning shot, is him shooting the screen. Yeah, and there's a title in between them, where we get to see the title of Zardoz written out. Great. In, hooray. And then he's in a big pile of what appears to be kind of wet sand or grape nuts that is inside the the, the stone head yeah though the the people make a great offering apparently to the stone head of grape nuts yeah a big pile of moist grape nuts is delivered as an offering to the stone head and then as it's flying through the air he pokes out of it gun first and then he comes out and he starts wandering around he doesn't say anything for quite a while no we get the the fucking beginning of this movie is him walking around like, for several minutes, just being like, oh, look, there's, like, some vacuum-sealed people in here. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of people inside of plastic sheets inside the stone head. And he looks at them, and he kind of pokes at them a little, and he hides he behind them. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't try to get them out of their little vacuum-sealed thing. He doesn't, doesn't try to kill them, which is what he should be doing. You no, think? he doesn't do anything. He just wanders around. He's just like, oh, I'm going to silently walk around and look at stuff. Now, let it be known that the movie never explains why there's vacuum-sealed people inside of this head. Yeah, we do finally, you know, at the end of the film, we understand why he's in there, how he got in there, what the whole deal with him being in there is, but it takes literally till the end of the film. Yeah, I was surprised this movie had a story at all. I was not expecting as much story as there is. There's actually a whole cohesive story to this thing. Technically. Like, I could tell the story of Zardoz and have it make sense to you. I could do that. But uh, the movie can't. No. It's just, it's all there if you watch it closely. Anyway, there's vacuum-sealed people in there, and then he spies a wizard. And oh my goodness, he shoots him in the back, and it turns out it's that floating head guy from the beginning of the film. And then he falls slowly out of the the mouth. Yeah. And when I say he falls slowly, I don't mean there's a slow-motion shot of him falling out. I mean, he falls out of the mouth, and then kind of dangles in air for a bit before he... Appears to be slowly lowered down below the mouth. Yeah, he kind of looks like he's got a vaudeville hook on him, and he's just being lowered out of uh, out of screen. It's kind of like how Puma Man flies. That's... It's it's honestly like a shitty old cartoon of like he didn't realize he wasn't standing on anything anymore. <laughs> nice. I figured it was just that he was flying away. You're just to get like a wizard sense out of this guy. But he turns and talks to him briefly and he's like, Oh, you shot me. I could have explained everything to you. Welp, bye. That's the end of that. And then the headlands and oh my God. Okay. He's, he's in some farm town and he finds a ring and it, there's a bunch of plastic wrapped plants. Yeah, and when he touches the plant plastic wrap, it makes human noises. Well, like, one of them he touches and it's just fucking jingle bells. Yeah, another one he touches it goes, ah. Yeah, you know how plants are like, yeah, I'm kind of tired. Except he's not even touching the plant. It's a big inflated plastic bag around the plant. And we will later learn that those those plastic bags are indestructible. Or should be. They're supposed to be. It, uh, anyway, he... Which, wanted... How do you even get the fucking plant out of there? You made an indestructible bag to put your plant in. How do you get the plant out? Well, it's purely decorative. You're not <laughs> supposed to get it out of there. That's like asking how you get the little toys out of a snow globe. <laughs> 
but I know how to do that. You break it. You break <laughs> that some bitch open. Well, okay, that's how you get all. That's like asking how you get all the little toys out of an indestructible snow globe. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, uh, so he finds his way into the house that the farm is attached to, and there's a bunch of nonsense and shenanigans in there. Yeah, uh, and it's apparently the house that belonged to uh, Zardoz slash that fucking idiot that he shot. Uh, Arthur Frame, I want to say, is, is his real name. Is what we eventually find out, because there's a ring there that keeps answering his questions by shooting projections of whatever he asked. Oh, yeah, the ring is basically a little slideshow machine. It's like it, it, the the advanced technology of the far future. The year, by the way, is 2293 in this movie, and uh, the technology is advanced to overhead projectors, except they're the size of rings. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I had this Ghostbusters toy that it shot, like, projections of a ghost onto the wall, and you could pretend to zap it with your thing. That was great. That's essentially what this ring is. Yeah, I have that toy now in the form of a pen that shows a couple different logos for Las Vegas. <laughs> like, if you hold it near a wall. That's, Sweet. That's what this is. And, and, and uh, so it shows him... The uh, trade budget between two towns that yeah, it's, it's called like Vortexes. The, the Vortex 2 has a surplus of leather and barley. Vortex 3 needs leather and barley. But has carrots. And every word is spelled wrong. Which yeah. I assume is because uh, we've moved to the far future and things have advanced beyond. I thought for a minute it was just because apparently the society he landed in is dumb. Uh, which... You know, we'll get there. But, you we'll know. We'll get there. But, yeah, it, it, everything's spelled wrong. Like, and letters. so he, like, asks for meat, and it shows meat, and he tries to grab it, and he's oh, like, yeah. That's the stupidest thing. He's already projected a bunch of shit onto his own face and around like, the he, room. He knows it's fucking light at this point, he but he still tries to grab the holographic meat, which, okay. Also, later on, we learn he's actually smart and not just a complete dumb caveman, which the movie is trying to establish him as. So he's... Not that dumb, and there's no one around for him to try and trick into thinking well, he's it's, dumb. It's a Chewbacca moment, is what it is. Oh yeah, it's, it's Chew- 100% a Chewbacca moment. Because Chewbacca does that in, in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, like oh my a, god, ham! I'm a, yeah, I'm a starship engineer, but i got to get that ham, though. <laughs> yeah, like that's the dumbest moment in Return <laughs> of the Jedi. And Return of the Jedi is already the third best of the first three films. Uh, it, there's this moment where he's just like, hey, look at that, some ham, Chewie. Chewie, you have a degree. Chewie, <laughs> Chewie you built that bowcaster. <laughs> of course, then again, thinking of it now, I'm pretty sure I know some engineers that if you just dangled some ham, they'd be like, ooh, some ham. <laughs> so now Chewie's just a fat nerd. <laughs> yeah, he's just a fat nerd engineer. <laughs> like, he's a Wookiee, so he is technically stronger than your average human. But I think to other Wookiees, they're like, Look at that fat nerd. I, I bet that makes a lot of sense, because I, I know a lot of fat nerds that whine when they start to lose games. <laughs> yeah, just let the fat nerd win. Just, just, oh, it's not worth it. Trust me, he'll he'll ruin the rest of your evening. <laughs> He's not going to tear your arms off exactly, but he will argue about pizza toppings. <laughs> yeah, he will argue your ears off, so just don't. Just, just let it go. Later on, we'll dangle some ham near him. It'll be great. <laughs> Oh, so Sean Connery has a Chewbacca moment. He tries to grab holographic, <laughs> tries to grab holographic meat, uh, which is yeah. funny because first he says food and it puts up a picture of food and he's like, no, 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 meat. <laughs> and then it puts meat out. And he's like, all right, that I'll try to grab. There we go. And uh, then it shows a picture of the holographic wizard that we've seen a couple of times, and it he tries to get rid of the wizard by clapping his hand over the ring, which works, but he keeps releasing it. Which weirdly enough. 
clamping his hand over the ring doesn't just stop the projection of light. It also stops the sound of him talking about the guy. Oh, yeah, because the, the ring in this is like a computer, and everyone's wearing one in the, in the super advanced civilization that his floating head lands in. Uh, but the ring, it, it has a voice, and it, it's never established whether the voice is being heard by the person asking the ring questions, or if it just booms out over the community. You don't get that, because every time anyone's like, hey, ring, what's going on with this? Well, the answer to that is ham dangling. <laughs> just, just over and over again. But you never, but like, literally, there's a woman later on in the movie who asks the ring a question in polite society, and she's asking it as a secret. Like, how long will the savage remain among us? The savage will remain until it is time for him not to remain. And it's like, wait, is she hearing this or is everyone? Yeah, you never really get... Like, there's a lot of things that try to imply that there's some psychic nonsense going on with the ring. Yeah. And then there's other times where, like, the uh, fucking Zed, which is the name of Sean Connery's guy, Zed will hear something that someone asks, like, at one point... The ring calls for a vote, and he hears that. Oh, yeah, he clearly hears the vote calls. So I guess the ring is just loudly announcing things through speakers. Anyway, he gets scared of the house and runs outside, and he runs into a woman by a lake who, like, hypnotizes him into submission, kind of? Yeah, well, he's like, Ah, oh, you, you've got your breasts out for no reason, which this movie goes right to breasts out for no reason. So let's say out of the... stays uh, there. Out of the two... Out of our predictions for what the film would have. 70s boobs? Like... Overwhelming. That's a big check. There, we we had seventies boobs in the first five minutes because they're they're inside the vacuum sealed uh, plastic. Uh, oh yeah, the people the people the that are in the vacuum sealed thing are all topless, male and female. They're supposed to be dead in there or something because most of them aren't moving. But then the one closest to the camera, like the, the one that has zoomed in on the tits, is just like she's uh, heaving. Uh, like after a uh, long run, like they forgot to put air holes in her plastic bag or something. Yeah. So, so we get. We get a lot of boobs a lot in of this boobs. in this film, just all over the place. And it's one of those uh, futuristic societies that's where the, thing we predicted, yeah, the futuristic society that their outfits are like essentially skimpy blouses oh, for yeah. everything. Everyone's wearing like a little tiny tie in front halter top. That's the that's the outfit. And if it's you're like in... someone got a napkin, turned yeah. it to the points, and then brought the points around to cover your. Your chest. Yeah, and That's if, about you're, it. if you're a dude, you're wearing the same thing, but your nipples are actually out all the time. Oh yeah, they'll just tie it slightly lower. Yeah. That's about it. That's that's all these future people are wearing. So, indeed, we were right. It is a futuristic society of, like, people who live beyond. They don't live deep underground, though. They just live behind an, or an invisible force field, and they call their society a vortex. And there are apparently multiples. There are but lots we only of, sit around in one. There are lots of vortexes, as they say. Which I I called them vortices immediately. So so don't don't send me any emails. I know I know that vortexes isn't a thing. <laughs> Thank you. But if if vortex is its proper name, then vorte- vortexes because it would be multiples of a vortex because the vortex is a proper name. Not talking about an actual vortex, which would then be vortices. <laughs> so technically, okay, that is fair. That my is fair. pedantry also, will come through. Also, if there were multiple types of vortexes in play, then it could be vortexes. Yeah. Much like how fishes becomes a proper plural if there's more than one kind of fish. Yeah, available. just like beefs yes, and beeves. Beeves. These beeves are tender, one yes. might say. Yeah. So, uh. anyway, pedantry aside, <laughs> he gets captured by future society, hot women, kind of, like, 70s hot. They have a lot of strong jaw lines. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they tie him down. Oh, and might as well talk a bit about the famous Sean Connery outfit from this movie It at, is at this point. It's, it is a red diaper. It's a red diaper with a big bow in the front. <laughs> like one of he those... Is- 
He is a late. He is a present for the ladies of the seventies. Right. He's kind. Of, he's got that kind of bow dress on his on his junk. The kind of the kind of bow you see on a on a big girl's prom dress. But <laughs> he's got one of those on the front. Yeah. And he's, he's got a bandolier with bullets that are way too big for the gun he has. Yeah, he has like a little he's, revolver. Yeah, he's running around with like a six shooter, and the bullets for his gun are like shotgun shells and then big old bullets. Yeah, so he's got a big bandolier full of bullets, and everything's bright red on him. So he's wearing a bright red Speedo and bright red cross bandoliers, which contrasts nicely against what I assume is a bath mat that he stapled to himself. Because <laughs> this is some hair on this man. Oh yeah, no, he he is definitely... Rocking that hair. I, I, I kind of wonder, and I think you brought this up during the film, did this work for anyone? I don't... Like, if we have any listeners that were ladies alive when this came out and were of a sexual awakening... Or just was, anyone who was into men of a certain type in that time period would Like, is this... Was this doing it for you? Yeah, does this... Is the big red diaper the look that you want? I mean... Believe me, I I know what I know what hot guys is. That's that's my thing. Like I understand the whole Sean Connery was supposed to be sexy. Maybe in the James Bond thing, pretty much all, just in the James Bond movies. Like, oh, and Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Oh, obviously. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's that's the hottest he'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't know if this was like they went. You know, we've we've got all of this boob action throughout this entire movie. Let's give a little something. For the ladies. And they're, I could just see Sean Connery saying, Oh, do you think I should be wearing a top? And they're like, Well, no, you can't even see your nipples, man. <laughs> You're like... You're a shag carpet <laughs> over someone's saddle. You look like one of those trees in Mexico right after all the monarch butterflies spawned a million caterpillars. That's what you look like right now. <laughs> You're just moving, shifting black fur. You look yes. like what Guillermo del Toro dreams. You look like a leather vest that got rolled on the floor of someone's barber shop. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, like a white leather vest that was rolled on barber shop dirt. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't know if that worked for anyone. Let us know because boy, I and I'm not. We're not just two straight dudes. I like dudes, and and no, no, none of this. No, none of that red diaper action. None of that. You know what? Mustaches stay in the '70s. Thank you and good night. And then. So, not only do we get no transition from how he shows up in the, the head, oh, yeah. but when he shows up in the society, like, a lady looks at him and he just kind of goes, Wah! He, he and tries falls to, down. He tries to shoot her and they fully in someone else's scream. Yeah, it is very clearly not Sean Connery, but you just get this, Wah! Yeah, as he falls over and you the funny thing is that the foley of someone else screaming is put in over him grunting lightly. So he tries to shoot her, and then the gun falls out of his hand. A Foley artist goes, and he goes, and he falls over. Yeah. And then he wakes up strapped to a table, and they are examining his memories. And there are two women, and they are named May and uh, Consuela? Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. I think. Now, keep in mind, everyone in this movie, except for Sean Connery, is the Britishest person you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. This is super British. It's deeply British. It, and f- since it's from the 70s and is super British, you keep thinking you spot Monty Python people. <laughs> it's true. I thought during the opening narration with the head, it was one of the fucking Monty Python people. Oh, yeah. That wizard coming at you looks like Michael Palin. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Is that, wait, is that Michael? That might be Terry. Uh, no, is that, that Eric Idle? That could be Eric. It really looks like Eric Idle. <laughs> You're like, is that Eric Idle? Is that a flying Eric Idle? Hang, hang on. No, okay, no. But all the women look like the women from Monty Python sketches. Oh yeah, no. If you've 
seen uh, Holy Grail, you know exactly what everyone looks like in here. Yep, you're all set. You've got you've got a knowledge. Except, plus, you also know what Sean Connery looks like because he is the Scotsman among the Brits. Yeah, so he's. He is now being held down, and they're trying to examine his memories, but apparently... The crystal has some privacy rules and won't let them look at certain aspects. Well, like, he's blocking things. They're oh, like, yeah. oh, we're trying to see a thing, but somehow we can't access it. They want to know what happened to that wizard from that head. Hey, how'd you get here, and why is why is our dumb Arthur Friendly, whatever his goddamn name is... What happened to Arthur Frame, otherwise known as Vagina Face the Wizard? Yeah, uh, I don't know. He's gone now. We can't access it. We don't get to know. But we are going to spend a bunch of time studying you because no one has ever managed to break into our vortex before. Yeah, and... Okay. So, the the two ladies are talking about what to do with them, and uh, May as a scientist is like, well, we need to study him. And Consuela's like, no, nah, let's fucking murder this guy. Yeah, he's, she's like, like the security He's one expert. of the brutals. Yeah, we need to get rid of him, so I want to kill him. And May's like, no, we're totally studying him. We need to figure out a whole bunch of stuff. And then they have an argument that they say they will put to a vote. And that is when we get introduced to everyone else for a vote, and it is the whiniest bunch of mincing little nobodies. Now, also, before this happens, they say something about their love for each other, and I thought, holy shit, are we going to have a lesbian couple in a 1974 movie? Oh, no. This is amazing. No. No, it's a communal society. Yeah, it's a communal love for everyone. Except it's one of those paternally loves, where everyone's just sort of, yeah, we all love each other. Because as we learn very shortly, there's no boners in this society. Yeah, they, they have no idea what boners do. It makes for one of the best scenes in the movie. But first, they, they have a moment where they have to vote over whether we should kill this guy or study him, and studying him wins, and then we get some shots of him wandering around the society helping with stuff. Yeah, because we find out, at this point, that apparently everyone in this society is immortal. And so all the people who are voting voting to keep him are like, this is the most interesting thing that has happened. We've been here for hundreds of years. Yeah. And this is the first time anything new has happened. So all the people are like, no, fuck it. I don't care. Keep him around. This is the first time we've had anything that isn't just going about our daily chores. This is one of those things you see in old movies about the future. Actually, I'm going to say all movies about the future, where they where the writers don't know how to predict what the future's like, <laughs> and they end up making something ultra boring. Like, could you imagine a future where everyone just hangs around in a farm and, oh, like, yeah. just eats bread and is like, yes, I am I am also in the future. Perhaps you would like to sing some tuneless nothing. And it's supposed to be like, these are the smartest people ever. We created a community for them. And what they decided to do as a community of the smartest people is fucking make a mill and get bread. Eat green bread all the time. That's all they eat is Woo. green bread. And, yeah, it's, it's annoying. You know, you see this in every movie where the future is deeply reminiscent of the time period in which the film was made. But you also always get that, oh, we've created a perfect society, and then someone from the Savage Lands shows up, and oh my god, it's the best thing ever because it's not part of our dumb society that's boring. Okay, so so anyway, he goes on a little cart ride with the with another guy who also looks like a Monty Python. Yeah. And, and this guy is being pulled along on a rickshaw by Sean Connery with some bread. And his job is to deliver bread to the two uh, outlets of the society. Because because these people are immortal... Oh, we learn this as the as the cart is leaving. We see a, a man bothering a woman in the society. And he's doing it by kind of vulturing at her. He's kind of got his arms outstretched. He's going, yeah. Well, it's supposed to be a, we all have psychic powers and I can kind of... You can fuck with people by looking at them weird. Yeah. So he is... I guess assaulting a woman with his mind. I guess. And she's shirking away and screaming. And he's he's doing the bat, which is something I can't give you a visual representation of. But let it be known that he is giving her the bat. 
And, and then eventually some other people pull him away, and Sean Connery's like, well, is he going to be punished because he committed a crime, don't you know? And they're like, well, yeah, of course he committed a prime, cr- crime. He'll get punished. What's his punishment? Oh, he'll probably be aged like six months. Yeah, and so we find out that in this society, because they are immortal, uh, the worst thing that can happen to you is for you to age, because they're all stopped at whatever age. So a punishment, if you are a terrible person, is to be aged. However... You don't get aged to death. Because what we'll find out is there's an entire uh, area of people that have been aged to the point of senility and then left there. And they live in a recreational dance hall. Yeah, they are basically in permanent senior citizen prom. Yeah, they're in senior citizen prom. They're all wearing tuxedos. I guess they must dress them in old-timey tuxedos. They have to strip them out of their their napkin outfits and uh, their napkin outfits, which also feature what I want to call like uh, ranchero pants with underwear on the outside. Yeah, honestly, they look kind of like those floofy "I Dream of Genie" pants, I except with underwear. I said ranchero a second ago, but that's because I'm slightly drunk, which I'm going to blame on Zardoz. Uh, but it's actually called gaucho pants. There so for any women listening, those are called gaucho pants. They're the Big floofy pants that almost look like a dress because they they're so they touch in the middle around your ankles. Yeah, so they're ugly, and then you put your underwear on over them, and you're ready for the future. Yeah. Uh, so he finds this group of the uh, the renegades, as they are known, and these are the people that were so disruptive to society and uh, unable to learn their lessons. So they got aged to senility, and they just get left here to eternally have senior citizen prom. And get given bread occasionally. Yeah, every once in a while this whimsical dude brings them bread. Because this guy is one of the few characters in the future society that has a personality at all. And his personality is that he... Hates society. He hates the society and he's very sarcastic. And he likes likes, uh, Sean Connery because Sean Connery is interesting. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm so bored. Everything here is terrible. Our society is dumb. None of us can die and it's stupid that we can't. But, hey, welcome aboard. Hey, you're a neat animal. I'm, I'm enjoying looking at you, and you're doing new things. Hooray. So after after taking him through the old folks' home, he then drives him through another area of Future Town, where there's a bunch of people just standing there. And these are the apathetics. It's, it's described as a disease that is sweeping all of the vortexes, where people just lose interest in participating in this whole stupid, in, internal, eternal kind of asexual boredom society. Yeah. So they've so been just, alive for so long that yeah. they're like, I don't care anymore, and they just stand around, and, like, if someone didn't come out and give them bread, then they would just starve, but I guess they wouldn't... Like, if they died, they'd just get regrown by yeah, the tabernacle. There's a point where uh, where Sean Connery asks the, uh, the whimsical dude what would happen if he died, and he said, do you want to watch? I'll kill myself. I've done it several times, and the tabernacle always rebuilds me. Yeah, and the tabernacle is, we find out, they're, I guess... It's the God the, Society's God. Yeah, it's the the thing that runs everything. It is our regen machine. It's what has all of our knowledge. Yeah, it, it powers those rings, and it rebuilds you if you die, and it won't let you get any older unless it's voted that you should get older. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's, that's what that it does. And then... Uh, Anyway, the apathetics are all kind of just standing around in an area in society, and then Sean Connery tries to rape one. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we also see, and and we did predict that there was going to be some noble rape in this movie, and there's like three. And it's not noble, though. It's just straight up, and here's a memory of Sean Connery raping someone. Except he's still the hero. Don't worry about that, though. And then here's 
when he meets the apathetics, he just straight up puts his hand under her shirt, and then the guy's like, yeah, go for it, she doesn't care. She's an apathetic. Yeah. I, and then he throws her down, and then he's like, "Oh, she's not even struggling or anything. It's no fun if they're not struggling. Yeah, that must have been Sean Connery at the height of his actorly powers, because... Because uh, they have some poor extra, some random extra who's just like, stand still, Sean Connery's going to put his hand on your boob. And yep. then your, your job is literally to not react. There you go. And and then he's like, oh, neat, Raper. I, the uh, the whimsical guy's like, oh, neat, Raper, I want to see that. That'd be cool. Let's get that going on. And, and then, then that's interrupted by the vote oh, to oh, age the guy. Also by Sean Connery getting super angry that his rape target isn't fighting back at all. Yeah. He's like, what the hell is this all about? She isn't squirming or nothing. And then he starts throwing barrels and shit around. And then, uh, finally, yeah, there's a, there's a, a topic of voting on how much punishment the guy who was just messing with the woman back in town should get, and he is to be aged five years. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I don't... So, we get a bunch more real boring shit of Sean Connery, like, up also to this point, he has said basically nothing. Oh yeah, he'll, he... he'll occasionally be like, I want to see whatever with the ring... Or when they were, like, interviewing him, he'd be like, Ah, I was an executioner. I was an exterminator. And that that was it. And then he wouldn't say anything else. And then you'd get, like, 20 minutes of fucking dialogue of these random British people. And then he'd be like, Yeah, sure, why not? Also, right in the middle of the movie, there's a narrated segment. And we don't know who it's narrated by. And it's just some explanation that they forgot to cram into the movie. So, like, oh, yeah... People didn't know about whatever. Let's tell you. So so we'll show some shots of a pleasant field, and we'll just have a voice talk to you for a while. <laughs> uh, so Okay, let's go back to the other meeting, because they go so, to another meeting. So yeah, there's the second meeting, which is the best meeting. It, okay, in this meeting, May starts by showing, this is what we understand of the penis. And they have a, a flaccid, regular drawing of a penis. Well, we, we don't understand how it goes from this, flaccid penis, to this. Erect penis. Boner penis. <laughs> it's like, we understand the physical process, but what gives it? We what, don't... How do you get boners? We believe it's tied to violence or death. Yeah, because people were bonerized when they were hanged. Yeah, hanged men often had boners. You're like, yeah, but... That's because that's how blood flow works. Yeah, you said you understood the physical process. You should understand why that, then. Right, yeah. But anyway, they're... they're uh, immensely excited because apparently Sean Connery can bone it up. Yeah. yeah They're like, can... oh, we know that you've gotten your rape on, so apparently you are capable of the bonerizing. Yeah, so... he always shows up with his bro up is what is what they, they have determined. So they're like, alright, let's see if we can determine what gives boners. And let's so... show a woman in a shower just rubbing her breasts. Yeah, given that porn shower where your boobs are super dirty. And then he's like, nope, don't nope. care. He just stands there staring. He doesn't say anything through this whole scene. So the whole time they're like, the brutal can have an erection. No one else can have an erection. Erections, erections, erections. And he's just standing there staring impassively ahead. And then they're like, here, watch this porn, you brutal. And they show him the worst porn shower. Yeah. And then after that, they're like, okay, that didn't get anything. Let's show him weird mud wrestling? Oh, yeah. Weird naked kind of mud wrestling and again just staring ahead impassively and it's and they're like gooey, nope sticky, doesn't do anything very unpleasant mud it's just yeah. yeah and it and then finally it's like oh well what what could possibly do it and then he looks at consuela and they're like oh he got a boner for you burr, 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 burr. yeah so he he develops himself a friendly boner for the lady consuela who 
let's not be let's be clear here. Consuela is a pasty British lady. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, I guess comparably to the other pasty British ladies, she was all right. I mean, oh no, I'm not saying that she's not attractive. I'm saying her name shouldn't be Consuela. Also, that yes. yeah, that that's where I'm really going with this. Consuela makes no sense as a name. No, it, I don't even remember what most of their names were except the only for ones like who get, May and Arthur. May, yeah. Arthur, and Consuela are the only ones that get names. They don't even give a name to a whimsical guy. I think he does. We just don't like they don't say it enough for it to matter. Yeah, it, it's it's unpleasant. Anyway, he gets a boner from that, and then they cut directly. I mean, directly. They, they show him smirking as he gets himself a little uh, little uh, filling of his red diaper. Although, thank God, we don't have to see that. <laughs> it's just upper chest shot as, as he goes, Yes, man, look at that. I'm I'm Sean Connerying all over the place. Huh? But they cut right from that to a picture of an eagle. Yeah, it is a direct smash cut to eagle. And, and then, then alpacas. alpacas. <laughs> and then, unexplained. Unexplained. Because it, it, this is the start of the narration. Yeah. And then, in another film... Yeah. Here's an eagle. Here's some alpacas. Okay. Here's some pleasant pastoral landscapes while we explain what happened to these people. It's just... It, the craziest cut. The, the cut suggests that he gets turned on by eagles. Yeah. It's like, what could give him a boner? And then he's looking at Consuela, getting a boner, and then it smash cuts to an eagle. And I'm like... I I guess he gets turned on by eagles. Uh, eagles it. are his thing, which which suggests to me that he is all weirdo. Oh yeah, one hundred percent all weirdo. Yeah, just a complete weirdo. And then some alpacas, which you know, who among us has not <laughs> at some point found an alpaca at least a little attractive? Just I mean, a little. Yeah, I mean, if it's not an alpaca, it's going to be you know a llama or something from that family. <laughs> Right? Uh, right, John? Right? Huh? Uh, You're going to back me up on this, aren't uh, you? I think we're all attracted to alpacas a little bit. No. No. Alpaca in. Ah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to apologize. Oh, God. I guess we got to keep pushing through this terrible movie. Okay, so... Ugh, fucking... There is a long sequence of him doing menial tasks for people... Of May trying to find out information. We get a bunch of the same scenes over and over of him killing people. Oh yeah, they show that beach scene of a bunch of people on horseback killing people. I want to say five times. Yeah, it's just always whenever they want to pull a memory of like, what did you do? Uh, It's always I was riding on this beach shooting people. There's, There's an amazing shot of him and May walking around in a garden and then they walk up to a crystal that's on the ground and it's literally just four mirrors arranged into a pyramid. Yeah. And then she invites him to stand behind it at which point he comically falls into it and he also falls real slow it's just like uh but it's amazing because he throws his hands up in the slowest it's like a muppet falling yeah no it's it was like uh you know when you're standing behind a couch and you're like i'm gonna take those stairs down and you do that pantomiming going downstairs yeah it was him pantomiming falling but he did it real slow so he's like Oh, I'm falling behind this crystal. And the director was like, yeah, good enough. Print it. <laughs> good. We're done. Yeah, I'm John Borman, and this is all I need to do. So we also find out that uh, this guy was selectively bred. Zardoz gave permission for certain people to breed with certain other people. Uh, and we also find out he has perfect memory. Uh, he has enhanced... Physical capabilities, he's smarter than everyone. He has taught himself to read. He is stronger and smarter, not only than his own people, but also than these super future people. Yeah, he is apparently, like, perfection of evolution, because 
uh, Zardoz has been doing weird eugenics stuff. Yeah, Zardoz again being a normal wizard dude named Arthur Frayne. Yeah, which uh, we find out that he taught himself how to read and then was super angry. Yeah, because he read something that gave away... Oh, you want to give it away? The big secret of why this movie is called Zardoz? Because it's... (coughs) Excuse me, it's amazing. Yeah. This movie is called Zardoz because uh, Zed accidentally read The Wizard of Of Oz. Oz. That's that's the name of the movie is Zardoz. If you cover up with and of, you get the secret. And so because he read that, he realized, oh, this is a thing that has a big wizard that is a giant floating head, but is actually a normal dude behind it. And he lies to us. And he puts two and two together that, well, this guy's a big head. That guy's a big head. Oh, shit. So he works it out with his own people that he's going to infiltrate their society and figure out their secrets. And that's the big reveal of this movie, is that he's not randomly in there. They hid him inside the stone head, although I don't know how they did that. They show a shot of him getting buried in grape nuts in the in the big stone head. But where's Arthur Frame? He's in the head. Yeah, he's, is he in the bathroom? What well, the hell is this shot? Well, I mean, they, they show that when the head lands... Uh, he had been forcing these people that had normally just been eating meat to start taking... Instead of killing people, they took, like, slaves and made them uh, farm for them. Right. Because he wanted to get extra, like, wheat and barley or whatnot. Right. So, they were filling up the head with all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, during that, of course... There's not. He's not just going to be around inside the head when they're doing the offering. So he's off hiding somewhere. Yeah, so since he's hiding, so they can the hide him. That's the answer to what the grape nuts are then. They're wheat germs. Yeah. So we're seeing a bunch of wheat with uh, fucking uh, Sean Connery buried in it as a trap. And he's supposed to get in there and infiltrate and then show the, uh, the evil dudes how to get in. Or not the evil dudes, the exterminators how to get inside. Yeah, so, uh, so society, we also find out. That in the future, everything sucked balls, and so the richest and most powerful people, along with the smartest people, got together to make a society, and the scientists figured out a thing that was a super powerful computer memory thing that would be able, the tabernacle, that would be able to keep them alive, and they go, great, alright, we've made this, uh, we're going to make it so that no one dies anymore, and I'm go- we're going to erase the memory of what the tabernacle is and how to destroy it from our minds just in case someone decides they want to die because we don't want anyone to die even if they want to. Right. So that's the big secret of society and... God, this movie. I, I don't even... Okay, so I want to finish wrapping it up just so we can start talking about individual plot points and what angers us. So I'm going to ram through the, la- the rest of this movie. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, long story short... There's uh, a bunch of people that want to die. They're mostly the renegades. The old senile people want to die. But a few other people, including May the Scientist, want to die. And some prophet girl who occasionally has visions of things, which we never really oh, yeah. figure and, out. And she like gives him a bath, gives the main character a bath, and gives him a leaf, and says if he eats the leaf, he'll be super strong for a little while. Yeah, she's like, at some point, your strength will fail you, and you'll need to eat this leaf. Yeah. So, okay, so at this point... Uh, May and Consuela have a big fight over whether or not they should be they should allow uh, Zed to stay alive. Uh, they have a vote, and it's determined that in seven days Zed will die. So that activates his impetus to get his to figure out his shit and bring the other people into the into the uh, society. 
They realize that he's trying to do that, and they organize to try and kill him. And he, they get a mob, which is just people on horseback with torches running around burning stuff again, trying to find him. future society assembles horseback and starts burning down their own buildings. Yep. Meanwhile, he runs his way through the, the renegade society, where they accuse him of being able to die and try to kill him themselves just so they can see someone die. That's good enough for them. Then he escapes from them, heads to the uh, apathetic society, where they realize if they make out with him, they get a little bit of vitality. Yeah, if they lick his leathery body, then they get a little bit of life. So there's just a moment here where one of them, like, gets some of his sweat on her finger and tastes it, and she's like, Ooh, I'm awake! That tasted like uh, like Seagram 7 and 7 splashed on a saddle. <laughs> that tasted like someone just put, I don't know, Old Spice on Doc Martens. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and then they all start making out with each other and they come to life. And that's what saps his strength, so he needs to eat the leaf. He eats the leaf and he runs away from them. Then he finds his way to uh, the t- the lady who rescues him. And, and, and then they go to the tabernacle. And, and the, he, he, he finds... The, at this point, it gets real uh, Super 2001 uh, confusing. Uh, yeah, he realizes that the tabernacle, after encountering the wizard he shot at the beginning, yeah. and the wizard's like, I, I, I was in charge of you all along. I planned you getting in here. I taught you to read. I planted the Wizard of Oz so that you'd get all pissed off and try to kill us. Yeah, what can you see in this crystal ball? If it's nothing, then I have nothing to teach you. Fart. And he he zips away. At which point, Sean Connery sits down and stares at a crystal ball until he figures out that crystals have refractions in them. And because, apparently, this big diamond is the tabernacle because refracted light is... How they're storing knowledge. Yeah. And he's like, great, this crystal could store a lot of light. Yeah, this crystal uh, has a lot of possible refractions in it, and every possible refraction is a data point, which means this is the biggest computer in the world. At which point the crystal starts talking to him. And it's like, hey man, why don't you have an acid trip? And then he fucking, he's in a hall of mirrors, and there's a bunch of floating heads, and he does that dumb run around thing. They keep showing him what they call his DNA. And it's it's uh, close-up shots of plankton and tiny jellyfish moving around. <laughs> yeah, like as in our DNA. Yeah, just like our DNA, which is mostly little jellyfish moving around. On and he, a... he does that thing where he runs around in a hall of mirrors and stuff yells at him, and then he shoots at his own reflection and it bleeds, which apparently shooting your own reflection in an acid trip you're having is how you destroy the tabernacle. Right, well that was that was easy enough to figure out, right? Sure. What you have to do is run around in the Hall of Mirrors and either shoot yourself or the Joker. Because <laughs> the Joker is always in a house of mirrors. That's like his favorite place. Yeah, obviously. It's like, if you're the Joker, you're, you're, you're going to be in like one or two pla- one of two places. A hyena cage or a house of mirrors. So, uh, he destroys the tabernacle but also randomly gains some sort of superpowers with it. Oh, yeah, like the ability to reverse time, kind of? Like, the people who are trying to, the mob who is trying to find him busts into the place where he was, and they're, like, destroying statues and pottery and shit, and then they find him, and then he just goes, nope, reverses time, walks outside, and then it goes back again where they're destroying things, and they're like, oh, I thought I totally saw him in here. Yeah. Oh, there's also a great moment right before he figures out that the tabernacle's a crystal where Consuela comes in to kill him, and he's like, you won't kill me because I've become educated now. And she's like, oh, I guess I can't kill you. Yeah, the hunt is always better than the kill. And and then he's like, I have always loved you the most, and I will marry you, and we will live together if you if you live. Even though the most he's ever done, talked to her is one time he tried to rape her, and one time he got a boner from her. That's the end of Consuela interaction. And Consuela has... Throughout the entire movie, consistently been like, 
This dude is essentially an animal. He is a horrible thing. We should kill him. Get rid of him. She doesn't even use he. She keeps calling it it. Yeah, no. She 100% refers to Sean Connery as a beast. Right. And he's like, I've always loved you. Probably because you're the only one who affects my ding-dong. Anyway, I'll fuck you later, if you live. Now get out of here. And at that point, other people burst in to help her kill him. And she turns around and goes, he's not in here. And they're like, oh, okay. Even though he's clearly right behind her. <laughs> clearly, they're like, like oh, but he's the only person in this society who can grow a mustache at all. There he is, right there. Uh, so... Uh, he leaves, and then he gets all the old people, and the old people get him out, and then some... There's a great moment where they hide him in a wedding dress, but that, that was before. We skipped it. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so, he fucking finally, they, the mob finds him again, but he's like, sorry, everyone can die now, chill out. And they're like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, we can all die? Great. Shoot me, please. And he's like, I can't. I've lost my essential nature. And then his original plan of bringing in all the Brutals has worked, and they show up and start killing everybody. Yeah. He just walks away with Consuela, like, in front, full view of all these exterminators, and just wanders off. And then as soon as they finish killing everyone who isn't Zed, they start going, Zed! Hey, where Zed! are you? Hey, Zed, remember the plan? Remember Zed? Zed! But he's gone. Walt! He's gone off to hang out in the shattered remnants of the floating head that fell as soon as he broke the tabernacle. He lives with Consuela and bangs her once, and she immediately gets pregnant, like, within two minutes. Yeah, we get, we basically get a vine of him having a kid. So it's, alright, here's a shot of her pregnant, then there's a baby, and then it's a kid, and then it's an older kid, then it's a teenager, then it's a dude, then he leaves, then they're old, then they're older, then they're older, then they're older, then they're skeletons. Right. The end. And meanwhile, they manage to put on some big green outfits, the most clothes anyone's ever worn in the movie. They look like American Gothic, except they're both wearing green future outfits. Man, they're fucking, those green future outfits look very Star Trek. I'm going to say do. that right now. That, they absolutely do. They look like Romulan future outfits in that they are made of carpet samples, obviously. Obviously. And they have giant shoulder pads. Yep. But anyway, that's the end of the movie right there. Is you get to watch him have a kid after he gives the society back their deaths and kind of equalizes evolution, I, I guess. I guess, except we still have an entire group of people that have... Not, I don't know that he taught them that Zardoz was not a god. No, so he didn't do that. So they are still crazy and they still want to worship Zardoz and kill other humans. And also, uh, several of the futuristic society, the people in the Vortex, he's like, hey, you guys are cool, you should get going. And he puts them on horses and sends them away and gives them high fives as they're leaving. Oh yeah, it's straight up just like, good game, good game, good game, good game. Yeah, that's what happens right there. So, several of them, including May and the Prophet Scientist, go off. No, I'm sorry. No, Prophet has to die. Prophet, the Prophet she wants, wants to, to die. die. So she stands in the middle of a fountain in a British Coventry garden and sings a tuneless song sounding almost exactly like a high-pitched version of the Mystics from Dark Crystal until she gets shot by one of those uh, br brutals. So, that's the film. That... <sighs> okay, so let's just, before we do anything else here, we've just finished up what the film is. Let's, let's run through our initial checklist, shall we? 70s boobs? Yep. Check. Super check. Uh, obvious rapes? Oh, yeah. Well, we had the idea that it was going to be one, and that then she would be like, oh, but I love you. But no, we see the first one where it's just, yeah, Zarda said I could rape this chick, so I did. And then we get his attempted rape of two other people, which one goes nowhere because she's apathetic and not into it, and the, the other, other one... The marries later. The other one, he's like, I... Would totally do you, but I gotta go. Yeah. So there you go. So lots of those. Okay, what else? Future society of kind of inbred people? 
Uh, well, the future society of Brutals versus Enlightens is very clearly what happened there. That's a big check. Except they tried to do the reversal of, but is it really the Enlightened society that is the Brutal ones? Blah, 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 blah. Last last piece, uh, very long and boring with a lot of stupid establishing shots because it's a 70s movie. Of course, check. it's a 70s movie. So uh, we got four out of four on this bad boy. Yep. No, the... Like, we explained a bunch of the stuff that was going on, and it was kind of rambling when we were telling you. We have cut out so many stupid little parts where it's like, he's serving future meatballs to a table of people. Potatoes? Or, or he's just walking around while other people are having a conversation about him. Which, okay, this brings me to the first thing about this fucking movie. Sean Connery is supposed to be, one, a super badass, like, fucking... Uh, exterminator killer guy who is one of the few people in the world that can still, like, get his dick up and hates things and has emotions and whatnot. And yet, he's sitting in front of a fucking crowd of people that he hates. And they're like, hey, look at this dumb idiot. And he doesn't do anything. We should kill him. And his, his response is, would you like potatoes? And I, I, I assumed while I was watching the film that was because he knew he had a plan to kill all of them and he was just being cool. I, I figure that's what it's supposed to be. But ultimately, all the shots of him just impassively staring in porn or standing there while they discuss the proper way to get rid of him, it, it, it comes off as like, this guy is literally deaf. Yeah. And it also makes it so that while technically he is the main character... He's never really the protagonist. Oh, we don't... We, we the sh- action doesn't move forward because of him doing things. It's always, oh, this guy is here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And yeah. They're just dragging it's, him along. It's more like he's a catalyst than a protagonist. Yeah. He sets, the, he sets the thing in motion. By the end of the movie, the super advanced future society of the Vortex is stupid idiots right, right, ranging around on horseback with torches, lighting their own buildings on fire because they're afraid of him. Yeah, and so he comes in and infects their peaceful society with his savagery. Right, even though he doesn't really do that exactly. No, he doesn't he, do fucking he anything. He mostly just stands there and they do that to themselves. But we've, we skipped a whole scene in the movie, which is the making him smart scene, where they teach him everything they ever knew. Oh my god, there's like three minutes of him lying down while they project images onto him and whisper things that sound vaguely smartish. One of them says, sings a little song to him, and it's, an invisible eel lives in the sun. Great. And then there's like, flash an equation on his body, and they're oh, like, yeah. if the variable is in a different equation, then... The cosine of it, it's just like in stupid a, babble. In, in an attempt to not have to use too much techno babble, they, they switch into French and then into Russian while they're teaching him everything they know. Also, at one point, there's a shot of him looking pensive and off into the distance as E equals MC squared flashes across his face. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge. I kind of wish it had just said math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just math. math. <laughs> History. <laughs> That would have made the movie a million times better. They're like, We're going to teach you everything you know. It was nothing but sports scores and the word math. <laughs> the oh. 83 Bears. Look at that. The rules for cricket. <laughs> no one knows these. I don't even think British people actually know them. Huh? Uh, okay, yeah. Okay. So uh, big check on all of that. Uh, you want to go ahead and give this movie a score? Well, let's do the, the, the worst and least and the, oh, okay. the best and worst. Sure. Okay. Okay. We're best still establishing. Best thing in the movie. For you, best thing in the movie. What did you like most? Uh, okay, my favorite thing in this movie is the scene where they teach him to be intelligent. 
because it's hilarious and it involves a lot of weird characters and they keep flashing stupid stuff across his face like plus sign next to a next to a minus sign just look at that the basic concepts of math also a lot of boobs with projections on them and i was huh. appreciating that a lot of they, they put a lot of boobies into that scene so many it was they switched out new math for sex math and i i, I like that yeah that was great okay uh john best thing in this movie uh, best thing for me was probably their treatment of punishment in this. Oh yeah, the for whole a sci-fi aging thing. society to have the idea of uh, we are immortal and no one ages, and so punishment rather than putting you into a cell because what the hell is sitting in a cell for ten years to someone that's immortal? Who cares? The idea that your punishment is getting aged, whether it's like oh, it was like a minor like misdemeanor so you get aged like two months mm-hmm. or if it was a major crime you get aged years but the fact that that was how you get punished was actually interesting to me there's a scene where may is about to hook up with zed and consuela tells them that it's bestiality and that she'll get 50 years added to her life for sure yeah that was that was an interesting moment to be like yes you're gonna be aged 50 years also i like that she knows what the punishment for bestiality would be <laughs> off the top of her head well that's because they all know all of their laws uh, okay, so yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool too. I don't understand how they age them. They don't mention that. No, but then they don't mention how they keep them young either. It's just, yeah, yeah this but crystal that... that is a computer apparently can control your life. Except that you think the crystal, which whose job it is to preserve this immortal society, would be they'd, be, they'd come up to him and be like, hey, age this person until they're senile. And he'd be like, that's roughly the same thing as killing them. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> Except... It's not like, I I don't know if it was an AI, because they program it, they're like, it'll just have all of our knowledge, and we'll program it so that it can't go against something that would destroy it. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's still, got a lot of self-preservation efforts. Yeah, but it still takes their commands by vote. I'm calling bullshit on it being an AI, because it's a crystal. It's a big diamond. And you know what a diamond can't mo- do? Move around, or or learn any new stuff. The moment that you established, it, it, it's basically like a, like a, like a CD-ROM. Of information. You can't mess with the contents of it. <laughs> okay, well, is that your least favorite thing then in the movie? No, my least favorite thing is second degree meditation. <laughs> which we forgot to mention at any point throughout the course of the film, uh, or throughout the course of our review, is that sleep has been replaced for these people by meditation. And uh, they keep saying, that it's just the most crystal hippie part of the film is them constantly going... Meditate upon the fact that mortality has been eliminated. Come to the second level. The second level is where you will go. And then they all stand up as a, in unison and wiggle their fingers around. They go, meditation, And it's like five minutes of that, and it is so annoying, and it keeps coming up. Yeah. I think this movie really took meditation to another level. Oh. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> Suck it. You just brought your stupid rap air horn app into our, <laughs> the sanctity of our podcast marriage. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Would you, would you, so uh, my, my least favorite thing in the movie is, uh, I gotta go with the preponderance of rape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Shit was, and, and I was right when I, at the beginning of the film or before we watched the film, I established that the main character would rape people and get away with it because it's the seventies. And I was right. No, it was like they, the, so like his society of people were like, yeah, whatever. Zardoz told us to fuck this woman because he's doing eugenic stuff, but they don't know that. But they're like, yeah, he said, this is yours. You can have her. So they raped her. And I go, all right, I guess if they're, 
like, mind-controlled savages, and this is part of their religion. I understand why this is happening. But then he goes to the Enlightened Society, and they're like, Oh, you totally fucked that girl against her will. That's interesting. Anyway, that's like, kind of neat. Of course, they, they view anyone outside of the little vortex as just another animal. We don't get mad when cats rape each other, you know? That's that's, no, that's the way they are. But it's also like, when he would try and fuck, like, the, uh... The apathetic chick. He's just like, okay. That was kind of, that. That's gonna be neat. You do that. You you rape that apathetic chick. In fact, stick your hand right up her little napkin shirt. And, Ooh, yeah. And again, the guy that's telling him to do that is supposed to be one of those people that we're kind of supposed to be rooting for because he's like, I'm anti-establishment and I'm kind of quirky and fun and I'm the only person who's shown any personality. So you should probably identify with me. Also, I condone rape. Also, there's a point where he points to one of the apathetic women as he rides past and throws bread at her that he used to be in love with her. And I'm like, wait, in love with her? Because aren't you in love with everybody in your dumb society? What's happening here? Did you did you try to have your... Did whim- you get aged because you fell in love? Is did, that a thing? Yeah. Did you try to get have flaccid penis sex with her? Because that's the hardest kind of sex to have. <laughs> well... Actually, it's the, the softest. softest. Oh! All right, moving right along. Damn it, where's my air horn? <laughs> all right, so there you go. Um, okay, so yeah. your least favorite part of the movie is all the rape, and I can agree with that. It's it's really stupid. So, would you recommend this film to somebody? Uh, to, no, definitely not. It's another. It's a '70s film. I I have a long and storied history of hating everything from the '70s. Because it's all boring and crap. It's one of the reasons you and I get along so well. Because normally if I tell people, I don't really think Stanley Kubrick was all that great. I'm pretty sure that's an Emperor No Clothes situation. Everyone's (laughs) like, you're crazy. That guy's the best. He's the most rigorous mathematical director of all time. And I'm like, yeah, but all he makes is boring movies about stupid flashing lights. Yeah, like, okay... I like The Shining. I disagree with you on that. Uh-huh. But it's a shitty adaptation. Uh, oh, yeah. We talked about that after during after we uh, we switched over to watching the film. We met, we discussed that briefly. And you're right. It's My problem with the movie is really that it's called The Shining. If it had just been called The Overlook Hotel. Yeah, that would have been, been a, fine. It would have been a fine movie. I would have been way more into it. All right. So there you go. Uh, we Last time we did this, we did a scale of one to five. And yep. then we add our scales together to come up with our film. So I'm going to go with a... I'll I'll give it a 1.5. I'm going to give it a 3. This was more Wow, in- really? Yeah, this was way better than Master of Disguise. <laughs> Master uh, of Disguise I actively hated cuz I felt like everyone involved with Master of Disguise knew better. Well, yeah, no, that's why I gave that a 1. This is a 1.5. Yeah, I'm going to give it I'm going to take this all the way up to a 3 cuz it cuz by the time you figure out the story, you're like, "Oh my god, this freaking thing has a story? There's actually <laughs> a premise and a concept and an execution and there's a beginning and an end?" I did not expect that. I was surprised, and so I'm giving it the reward of a 3, which gives it a total of a 4.5 out of 10. There you go. It is apparently slightly below decent. It's like a D. There you go. You'd say this thing's a D, right? Like, if you were to trim this thing a lot, like cut out five minutes of people wandering around as noises play... The thing is, there were scenes in this that I thought were really interesting. I mentioned while we were watching it, there's a scene where... He's with the uh, the renegades, the old people that have been aged to senility because they couldn't be controlled. And they want him to die because they want to experience death at least secondhand. And they, like, grab at him and are, they're trying to, like, they're kill sort, him. They're and, sort of trying to get him to die somehow. And but that is- would have been an amazing scene if it was done by someone that knew what they were doing and it wasn't the 70s. Yeah. The, because the, it was just like... Hey, we're flopping around and kind of running around what is essentially like the ballroom at a fucking Hyatt. Yeah, and there's a lot of tight close-ups of of uh of him 
on Zed as people try and flail at him, kind of, but not really. It's very amateurishly shot. And one of the things you start noticing about this movie is that they didn't know how to deal with foot noises. Yeah, well, the other thing in that uh, is you also never get a sense of danger for him. No. Because he is immediately grabbed by, like, five people and pushed to the ground. And then they just kind of, like, slowly rock him back and forth. Until he gets up and wanders off, because, oh yeah, he's a vital, super strong guy, surrounded by extremely elderly people who were all Faye and Mincy to begin with. So, yeah, the that scene could have been really awesome, terrifying, or powerful because of their need for death, but all of the interesting concepts like that, that I've been alive for too long, I need to die, mm-hmm. are just sort of glossed over in order to get to dumb, like, establishing shots that last for three minutes. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of boring crap that they thought would be more interesting. So there you go. That's, that's, that's the basic take on this movie. Uh, okay, let's get to housekeeping notes. First of all, I know that on the previous episode of Afterthought, we said we were going to be watching Mommy Dearest. And we would have... But we needed a guest for that, and that fell through for the moment. Yes, that's all. Uh, the reason we needed a guest is because I personally have seen Mommy Dearest. So we need at least two people that haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I, not only have I seen it, but I've seen it recently. And I really don't want to watch it again, but I'm gonna for you <laughs> as soon as we get our guests lined up again. So that fell through. That's why we didn't we didn't choose Zardoz. We randomly selected it using a D16. Yeah, which. <sighs> Fucking Zardoz. Okay. Well, at least it's off the list now, right? Yeah, we can cross it off. So, uh, otherwise, regular housekeeping notes. This is the Movie Mastery Podcast. It is separate and wholly distinct from System Mastery. You can find this one at System Mastery Podcast, however, or under Movie Mastery on iTunes. So if find you, it. If you found us only through Movie Mastery, we do a separate podcast called System Mastery. Uh, we review old, shitty role-playing games, and we're basically as mean to those as we are to movies. Yes. Uh, we also have an afterthought where we discuss listener questions. So, on the afterthought, if you, even if you don't listen to System Mastery, you can still send us dumb questions that have nothing to do with anything, and we will answer them. Yeah, that's fun. We love to answer stupid questions, and would you rather? That's our favorite thing to do. All of these podcasts can be found on SystemMasteryPodcast.com, or you can email us at SystemMastery at Gmail, or tweet us at SystemMastery, or find us on Facebook under SystemMastery. If you like what we do, you can support us on Patreon. Any amount of money you throw us actually does earn you bonus content. We do a whole other podcasts that are only available on the Patreon feed. Yeah, it's mostly for the System Mastery listeners, because it is usually us making characters from these horrible, unplayable games that we review. I assume almost everyone knows that. I don't think we have any listeners yeah. on this side that aren't on the other side first. Just in case. But just in case, sure. So that's that's how that works. If you have a movie you think we should watch, the premise of this podcast, which we did not explain at the beginning of this episode, is the following. We only review suggestions from listeners. Yep, we do not decide what we watch, you decide what we watch. And after you decide, we let the dice decide. So we take however many recommendations there are that week, and we roll a die on the internet, because it's usually like a D27 or something. Yeah. And uh, we ch- we take whatever movie that is, find it, and watch it, and review it. And that's how this works. So if you want to add horrible movies to the list that make us suffer, please do. Send, us to, send those to our Gmail or to our Twitter. Please, though. Let's leave the 70s alone a little please bit. Please, just have pity. Cool it on the 70s. I'll watch Fern Gully again before I'll watch this. <laughs> Happily. Happily. No question. So there you go. Um, anything else you want to add? Thank you so much for listening to Movie Mastery. Rate and review if you like it. And we will see you later for more Movie Mastery.